Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Write Answers Mostly, a podcast on what you didn't learn in history class but wanted to. My name's Claire Donald. My name is Tess Palomo. And we have a very special episode today, a special guest. We have the co-founder of Alice Mushroom, Charlotte Cruz, joining us today. Hi, Charlotte. Hi. We are so happy to have you. So we saw a lot of ads last year for Mm -hmm. Alice Mushrooms like everywhere over Instagram and we just immediately were like this is fascinating first off the branding is just so good gorgeous and it kind of came at a moment that you know both of us were very interested in in knowing more about functional mushrooms and the power of mushrooms and obviously seeing that mushrooms are very trendy in the past year yes and we're doing a whole themed month our theme this month is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so with the power wow. of mushrooms, we were like, there could be no better person to talk to than you. Amazing. Well, I'm happy to talk all things mushrooms all the time. Beautiful. Yeah, we, um, we you know, have dipped our toes in mushrooms of all types before. Of all types, you could say. Yeah, yeah. So, but we're excited to learn <laughs> more. Can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself, about what Alice even is? Yeah. So Alice, we make functional mushroom chocolates. So there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, Particularly starting with what functional means. So functional, they're a class of mushrooms that are different from mushrooms that you get at the grocery store, your culinary mushrooms, and also different from psychedelic mushrooms or mushrooms that can induce a psychedelic experience. So functional mushrooms kind of sit in the middle between culinary and psychedelic and that they have way more nutritional benefit than your and medicinal benefit than your typical culinary mushroom but they don't have the compound psilocybin in them that can induce a psychedelic experience so it's you know people are always like is this gonna make me trip and i'm like no it's chemically impossible the compound isn't in there (laughs) and it, it can't happen um And so we use different functional mushrooms. So there are different functional mushrooms that are good for different things. Um, For example, lion's mane is incredible for brain health. Reishi is incredible for sleep. Cordyceps is incredible for boosting your overall energy levels and vitality. And so there are different functional mushrooms you can plug into your wellness routine. Um, So we have two chocolates. We have one called Nightcap for sleep, and we have one called Brainstorm for focus and energy. And both of those use functional mushrooms and other nootropics and herbal supplements. Um, And we're about a year old. We just had our one year anniversary. So we're very new. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. And what better way to celebrate than with some chocolate? Yeah, no kidding. And we love what you know, you say about that, like your wellness routine should be enjoyable and it shouldn't be like you are holding your nose, trying to like swallow a bunch of these Mm -hmm. pills that you're like, what is this? And like the idea that you can indulge and also feel like you're doing something healthy for your mind and your body is just so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we say all the time, indulge, don't endure. And that really Mm -hmm. comes from our kind of founding mantra. So my business partner, Lindsay, her background's in pharmaceuticals and mine is in food. So it's kind of this perfect marriage of food as medicine, right? And Lindsay, my business partner, she originally had the idea because she was trying to get away from pharmaceuticals. She was like, there has to be a better natural alternative to a lot of the things that I've been treating with, you know, different medicines and pharmaceutical compounds. And so she got really into mushrooms and then realized, wait, (laughs) every functional mushroom supplement on the market is a powder, a pill, a tincture, and it's really reminiscent of pharmaceuticals. And we're just not the type of gals who (laughs) want to kind of like knock back a bad tasting powder or do a bitter tincture. Um, 
we we think that it doesn't have to be uncomfortable and like why are we enduring all of these things that are supposed to make us feel good when they should be things that we celebrate and look forward to and taste good because then they make us feel good for sure so that's really where chocolate came in um Lindsay, particularly in pharmaceuticals, you know, she learned how important it is, the delivery method of a medication and how mm. that directly affects patient compliance, because it's, it's pretty simple, right? Like if you're handed something that you're supposed to take that doesn't taste good, like you do it for three days and you're like, mm, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Done. I'm out. Yeah. So yeah. how can we make this something people look forward to so that we can almost like trick them into having better health? <laughs> Completely. And that's all it is really, you right. know? Um, yeah, that's so interesting how you guys both started in sort of different fields and went where you're at now. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Because, you know, Claire and I are big components of just like, we want women to feel like they can always sort of explore a different career or, you know, change their change their jobs in, in some way. And can you talk about that experience of was it jarring to go totally. into to mushrooms from food or was it sort of natural for you? You know, my career took a lot of different turns. Um, my first job out of college, I was in journalism, like covering politics, if oh, that tells gosh. you. Oh, so wow. you're like, I need mushrooms of all time. <laughs> yeah, of all yeah types. truly. I was working um, actually in, for NBC News in Washington in 2015 and 2016 oh and covering God. that election. And I was like, I am, I've hit my cap <laughs> oh my <God>. night <laughs> on like how many politician speeches I can watch. Oh my God, um, no kidding. Particularly during that era. Yeah, it's <laughs> what a painful. time. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going into uh, media more in a lifestyle way. So like doing branded content with different partners at um, more like, you know, Refinery29. I was there for a little bit. So that type of media. Um, and then I really got to a point where I was like, I need to do something that aligns with who I am as a person and that moves forward my vision and food just kept calling out to me is pretty much the most basic thing that we can do to feel good um, that often really gets overlooked. Um, like our food system is has a lot of problems and it's not something that people pay a lot of attention to, even though it's probably the most important thing in our lives. Right. So I made the decision kind of during COVID. I feel like everyone made big life changes during COVID. Sure did. Um, and I went back to NYU and got my master's in food studies. Um, and then kind of just started working on early stage consumer brands through that process. Um, and then like literally met Lindsay on the phone. Um, she lives in LA, I live in New York. And I was looking for my next thing and she was looking for a business partner. We both had like a loosely connected mutual friend who put us on a text thread and was like, I think this might be something. That's and so, cool. so we texted a little bit, got on a couple calls, started working together and didn't even meet in person for like three months. No way. Um, and then literally met in person and then went out to dinner and got some champagne and we were like, okay, we're business partners now. I guess we're that's, doing this. That's how it always, I mean, that's how Claire and I started too. You know, you just get a little tipsy and you're like, oh, we have some great ideas. <laughs> yeah, and we have fun yeah, together. Let's, let's make this happen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, Lindsay really similar. She was in pharma was the only career path she'd had. Um, and she just really started to feel like this isn't aligning with who I am as a person and what can I do that can align. Right. And she's, she's very much a dreamer and she's so like got an incredible vision from big picture. And when she gets on an idea, she's like a dog with a bone and she just went for it. 
Wow. So nice to have that in a business partner for sure. Yes. It really is. <laughs> for sure. And I'm sure she saw a lot of shit in, in Big Pharma. And, yeah. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. like that's, oh, yeah. that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So what called you guys to mushrooms? Were both of you like, this is the way that we should go? Were there different ideas or? Yeah, it was always mushrooms. Um, you know, for Lindsay, it was very much coming out of pharmaceuticals. Okay. What can I do to address the root causes of things I've been treating and not keep looking at band-aid solutions Um, and mushrooms became this really obvious answer so many functional mushrooms are able to address those root causes Um, and for me it was funny enough my experience in culinary like I have was grew up a very picky eater now I'll literally eat anything but until I was like 18 years old it was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and that's 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 a good life yeah yeah Yeah. it's not a bad life but I finally got maybe not sustainable okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, when I started working in food, it was like, that's when I started getting a lot of exposure to really beautiful culinary mushrooms, you know, like more than just your buttons or your shiitakes, right? Like I was working with like really beautiful yellow oysters and maitake mushrooms. And that kind of sent me down this little rabbit hole of like, okay, like what is, let me keep kind of opening doors in this mushroom space and, and experimenting and exploring. And then, you know, Lindsay and I got connected and it was like, oh, you know, stars have aligned. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. Do you mind going into more of like, what are the major differences? There are three major types of mushrooms you're saying, right? Culinary, functional, and psychedelic. Psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind talking more about those and the differences between them? And yeah, exactly. So yeah, I like to think of it as three buckets with functional sitting in the middle. So Psychedelic mushrooms, they have the compound in them psilocybin, which is able to produce a psychedelic experience. So that's what you're seeing across any types of strains of psychedelic mushrooms. It's because of psilocybin in there. Um, And so that's what's able to induce that type of experience that can be really medicinal, can be really joyful, can be really therapeutic. Um, But there's not much else in those mushrooms that you're really looking for. Um, And then in culinary mushrooms, there's a lot of nutritional benefits. So, right, you get your vitamin D, you get all these different things that you would get, for example, like from a nutritious diet that includes vegetables and fruits and, you know, protein and whatever it is that you're incorporating into your diet. But culinary mushrooms don't have um, compounds in them that can really help your long-term health or work as a nootropic or an adaptogen. So they're not medicinal, they're nutritious. Mm. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Whereas functional mushrooms are medicinal. So there are different compounds in functional mushrooms that can make them incredible for you and work like a supplement. So it's it's a step up from food. Right. Is is really how to think about it. And what does nootropic mean? Nootropic is essentially something that helps your brain work better. So oh, lion's mane mushroom. Yeah. 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 Lion's mane um, is one of the mushrooms that we use. It's kind of your classic nootropic in that lion's mane is able to directly nourish your brain cells and connect new neural pathways and like honestly regrow your brain to help with memory, cognition, and focus. So a lot of people are looking at it. I mean, it's interesting. Our demographic spans from young people looking for people who are looking for brands that identify with their values to then we have a lot of customers who are in their 60s and 70s who are looking to protect their brain health and keep their memory sharp. And that's become a huge thing as of late that we're, you know, I feel like we've really hit a chord with. Yeah, I feel like recently, you know, you kind of see the 
decline in popularity of drinking mm-hmm. and especially yeah. with Gen Z being like, what are we doing to our bodies and looking at sort of other other ways that you can still, you know, enjoy yourself like psychedelic, psychedelic mushrooms. Um, yeah. What do you think kind of started in the past couple of years, the, the popularity with microdosing and that sort of trend? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right on this sober curious movement has fueled a lot of interest both in psychedelics, but also in functional mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see a lot of people using our brainstorm chocolate, which is our energy and focus chocolate, actually as a party drug replacement. You know, people are going out and they're bringing a tin of chocolates with them and they're sharing the chocolates with their friends. And it gives you this, every time we have a party, we have it out on platters because it gives you this boost of energy, makes you a little more social, makes you feel a little bit more present um, and, you know, doesn't for people who might be wary of psychedelics doesn't have you know the possibility of having a psychedelic experience right, so it's like gentle there's, yeah it's gentle exactly. yeah which is nice because um, you never know yeah you know it's, it's yeah it's safer For emotionally sure. exactly. <laughs> exactly it's like my mom will do that whereas you know I would have a, a hard time convincing my mom to do psychedelics right never say never but for now <laughs> yeah. yeah are I they all, I'm working on her right <laughs> slowly but surely aren't we all with our parents are they all grown the same way So every mushroom is actually grown differently. So mushrooms are grown in the wild. They'll grow on different types of different trees, different types of wood um, from the ground, different types of bark. So there's, I mean, our mushrooms are grown and harvested on, it's called substrate, which is the fancy word for like mushroom soil, essentially. Um, That's most uh, like what they would be grown on in nature if they were harvested or wild in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different types of things mushrooms will grow, grow on. And I think that kind of going back to your last question about why people are so interested in mushrooms, I think that is another aspect of why mushrooms are so popular, being that they can grow on anything, meaning that a lot of mushrooms can grow on toxic waste and clean mm-hmm. it up or oil spills or, I mean, so many different things. So I think as people start to learn more about how mushrooms can help our environment or be leather substitutes or meat substitutes or clean up toxic waste, then it's like, okay, that's amazing. And then also they can do this for my mental health. And also they're incredible to eat. And it kind of just contributes to this overwhelming growth of like what we call the shroom boom, right? Where like everyone is so (laughs) excited about mushrooms and they're, they're getting into every facet of life, of culture, of the dialogue. They really are so good. I went to the farmer's market yesterday, and in honor of this episode, we got $30 worth of fancy right. mushrooms. We were like, wow, it's pricey, yeah. but it is just so good. And so this is a, this is a dumb yeah. question maybe, but when you cook them down, do you lose any nutrition in them? No, you're really just losing water. Got um, it. Oh, so, okay. so mushrooms have a really high water content. So that's really what you're losing when you cook them down. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And with your chocolates, it's something that is meant to be taken over time. It's not quite an immediate effect, correct? Or does it have a little bit of yes both? Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. So again, going back to like this delivery method as it affects how people are going to use something, delivery method includes not only the taste and the experience of it, but also the feeling that you're going to get. So again, as we were trying all these functional mushroom products, we were like, okay, I am taking this. It doesn't taste good and it doesn't work instantly Mm -hmm. because really what people don't understand and what I think a lot of companies don't educate about is that functional mushrooms need to be taken every day over the course of about 
three weeks to allow the nutrients time to compound in your body and start making those subtle but really powerful shifts in your being. So you're not going to feel a functional mushroom on day one, day two, day three, day four, but you know, day 25, there's a lot of things that will be happening in your body that will be making you feel better. Um, and I think we're very much in a culture and I'm just as in it is like immediate gratification yeah, is what totally. I want. Um, so we formulated the mushrooms alongside fast acting ingredients. So you'll get that now and later approach. Um, so for example, in our brainstorm chocolate, right, there's lines made in cordyceps, which are incredible mushrooms for mind and body. Um, but instantly you're going to feel a little bit of natural caffeine. And then also there's a fatty acid in there that helps immediately with brain and cognitive function. Um, and then in our sleep chocolate, we've got reishi mushroom, which will help regulate your sleep cycles in the long term and help lower stress levels. But then there's also zinc, chamomile, magnesium, and L-theanine, which you'll feel right away. Y'all just thought of everything. My God. I know. <laughs> I'm just truly really so impressed. I am too. I am too. And can you talk a little bit about the branding behind it and like what inspirations you guys got for, I mean, even like looking at your, you know, Instagram, it's just so beautiful and colorful and sort of what artists or different yeah. artwork you've been inspired by for the branding. And for everyone listening, we'll have a link to their website in our show notes. Go check it out. It's so cute. Yes. Y'all just crushed it. Thank you so much. I mean, the brand, right, is loosely inspired by the character Alice um, from Alice in Wonderland, but we don't want to use any type of Alice in Wonderland branding. It's really just her curiosity. Mm. So as we kind of distilled what the brand identity was, we kept going back to this idea of curiosity and also the fact that what we love most about Alice is the fact that she's okay with not knowing things and she's excited by not knowing things. And like, in the world of mushrooms, it's still a really burgeoning field of study. Like mycology is just now becoming a major at some colleges, whereas, you know, plant sciences have been a recognized field of study for decades and centuries. And so there's still so much we don't know about mushrooms. Um, and so embracing that kind of mystery and wanting to lean into it and having that kind of playful idea that we don't know everything and that's okay um is really fundamental to our brand and then in terms of you know the visual aspect of the branding we wanted it to feel accessible and playful and fun and i think accessible was the most important thing for us um again as we as we looked at a lot of other functional mushroom brands or players in the space we found that a lot of branding felt very psychedelic forward um and we wanted to have something that felt a little more approachable, a little more accessible to people who maybe have no interest in psychedelics and they're a little bit intimidated by it. And so they haven't tried functional mushrooms. So we want to have a visual aesthetic that feels approachable to everyone to come in because we're not just trying to like compete with other mushroom brands and take their customers. That's not really our end game. Like our, our end game is introducing more people to the benefits of mushrooms and bringing more people into the mushroom conversation. So our goal is really speaking to people who otherwise may have felt isolated as it relates to or left out of the marketing of other functional mushrooms. Well, you guys really nailed it. Yeah, you did. And we love that. We say that all the time on our podcast about like, it's okay to not know things. And that's actually a really great thing. And that's, you know, kind of why yeah. we have this podcast is like a safe space to 
be curious and learn more about that. So we love that that's what you're doing with your brand as well. And I, I think that the branding is so different and it also speaks to, I feel like a lot of the female community as well. Do you find yeah. that y'all being two female co-founders, are there a lot of females in that space or or are you guys kind of leading the way or, you know, what is this space even like? Yeah. So I think, you know, for the last 10 ish years, the space was really male dominated. Um, and a lot of the functional mushroom brands, again, their branding felt really masculine. Um, and particularly as it relates even to the psychedelic space right now is a lot of that is being led by men and there's this real masculine energy mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> I know. leading the charge yeah <laughs> no yeah. shock yeah there yeah. yeah yeah um but I would say I mean we're definitely early in terms of being women in this space but it's been really cool to see more and more other women um get into the space and I think right now there's a lot of great female led and founded functional mushroom brands but it's you know we're all still young and it's still very early um but it, it's a really exciting place to be in it yeah yeah it's it's very inspiring and we have a lot of younger uh female listeners and um get advice or get asked advice ourselves of you know what what would you say to someone starting your own company especially with a friend do you have any advice for our female listeners on on what you would say yeah yeah i mean i think just having your vision and relentlessly wanting to execute on it um and being i mean there's so many pieces of advice i would give yeah <laughs> right. but, like, like how much time do we have i, yeah. I mean yeah how much time do you have six hours I, <laughs> something that i've been thinking about lately and this just comes from a recent experience that i had is that women sometimes you're going to get into positions in your career as a female leader where you're going to be working with men who don't believe you, don't take you seriously, don't think that you're good at math, don't think that, you know, you counted something correctly. And they're, they've been in the industry longer because they're, you know, whatever, they're in logistics or whatever it is they're doing. And you're going to be faced a lot of people who just don't believe you, don't take you seriously. And just powering through that and not giving up on yourself. I had an experience recently where I just kept kind of banging my head up against the wall about something I knew I was right about. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of men telling me like, nope, that's not correct, X, Y, Z. And I just kept pushing and kept pushing. And finally they were like, oh yeah, wait, you are right. And it was, you know, a $30,000 oh situation. That, and I think it's really easy. I mean, even a year ago, I probably would have been like, oh, I must've messed up yep. and not pushed on it. And I, when this happened, I was like so proud of myself because yeah. it felt like such a moment of growth to just have that tenacity and keep pushing because it's really easy to not and to just let people tell you what's right. And so that just becomes a larger piece of advice, which is that trust yourself, believe in yourself and don't let people who may speak louder or be older than you or more aggressive than you dictate how you're going to run your business. That's amazing advice. Cause yeah, I think also, you know, women can tend to be more people pleasers. So it's like, well, I also don't want to like totally. make, you know, this man in charge think that I'm being too much or aggressive or, you know, I want them totally. to like me. Cause in that way, women do get ahead by being likable, which is, mm-hmm. you know, messed up. So I think that's very powerful advice. 
It also must help having your co-founder. I know for us, like it, it helps to know that you have someone in your team and even talking to oh, another yeah. female founded business. It's just so nice to have this community of women to all remind each other, like, no, trust your instinct. You mm-hmm. are smart. You are capable and powerful. And that's so inspiring to hear. Yeah. I mean, I also, I know that some people like work better alone or, you know, having a co-founder maybe isn't how they would run things, but I don't know what I would do without Lindsay. Same. I think- <laughs> Like I look at other founders who are solo founders and I, I mean, my jaw's on the floor. I have no idea how they do it. I think having a partner that you trust that also balances you out, like Lindsay and I are complete opposites in terms of how our brains work and what we pay attention to and all of that. And it's just like, that has made us so much stronger. And then also the respect that we have for one another and the different perspectives that we bring to the table, because I don't think any decision I, you know, we discuss everything like yeah. only small things will make decisions without each other on. And I think it's so important, even just like, even if you're going to go with the decision you wanted to go with anyway, to have that second person to bounce things off of. Um, because I think at least I would feel really isolated and constantly second guessing myself if I didn't have a partner to kind of like cheer me on, validate me, challenge me make sure we're always making the right decisions and looking at things from every angle. I completely agree. Yeah. And how powerful to have a, you know, female co-founder. It's just, it's just the best. It's invaluable for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And with pushing yourself right now, I know I've seen y'all are selling in coffee shops. So the brand is accessible anywhere because it is functional, correct? Yeah. So functional mushrooms are a a thousand percent legal all over the world. Um, So there's no... There's nowhere in the world where you couldn't buy a functional mushroom. Right. It's and regulated the same way like a shiitake mushroom is regulated at the okay. grocery store. Can, is anyone any age? Any age. They, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, I would say if you're looking at, you know, giving functional mushrooms to a young child, probably talk to a naturopath or a doctor mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm not – the dosing that we have in there is geared towards adults, but I haven't seen anything that would – um make it so like I haven't seen anything that says kids can't take this or this is unsafe right and so I guess what I was saying when you're pushing yourself I know that you're in the functional mushroom space do you have any insight on what's going on with the psychedelic mushroom space and is that something that y'all would want to push yourselves to get into that space as well I believe it's legal in Oregon right now correct yeah Oregon and Colorado are the farthest along so kind of a uh overview of where the space is right now Oregon has had a lot of trouble with their rollout. Mm. So Oregon was the first state to legalize uh, psychedelic assisted therapy and psilocybin. So their legalization process essentially looks like there are treatment centers where someone can go check in, have a guided therapeutic psychedelic experience, check out. Um, And what Oregon did, which is kind of coming back to bite them, is that they gave counties the option to opt out. So essentially every county in Oregon, except for Portland and Bend, opted out. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So it's become kind of tough over there because then they're, you know, if they're opting out, then you can't grow within 30 yards of that county or whatever it is. And so it's actually become a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're working it out. But Colorado then passed a similar bill about a year later and they didn't <laughs> allow counties to opt out. So, so like it's we kind of one all of those want things. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So they were just like, this isn't part of the bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the state passes it because if that had happened right everywhere outside of Denver and Boulder would be like no absolutely so um every state that passes it I think learned something from the last state Mm. um I think it's it's tricky it's gonna be a long road there's a lot of murkiness as I mean you guys you're in California right like there's been a lot on the ballot in California. Governor just turned down a decriminalization initiative. You know, even in states that are at the forefront, there's still a lot of headbutting as it relates to how do we legalize these and in a safe and accessible and effective way. And I think that also leads to the other issue is that where these treatment centers are legal, they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that everyone in the space is trying to work on to figure out a way to make it more accessible. Uh, We're personally members of a nonprofit that works around um, advocacy and um, legislation work and research around microdosing amounts of psilocybin, because currently as it stands, you can go in, check yourself into this treatment center. You know, you have a six to seven hour experience. You have therapy before, therapy afterwards. That becomes in some places a $10,000 experience. Oh wow. And that's not something that your average person can do as it relates to the time commitment and to the financial commitment. Right. Um and it's so crazy when you think about it, particularly with mushrooms, because it's like you could <laughs> grow these in your closet for, you know, a hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> like, and be doing it very irresponsibly and have terrible trips. Right. And, yeah. You know. Right. I mean, obviously I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but it's just kind <laughs> of a hard thing to wrap your head around in that this is something that grows very easily. And yet I'm being charged thousands and thousands of dollars to do it in this very tax heavy way. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're trying to figure out ways that we can make microdose amounts of psilocybin legal so that people can buy them kind of from a dispensary and take it home and do it on their time and do it in a safe way. So there's, this is a very long winded answer, but it's a crazy space Um, right now. I think to answer your original question, yes, it's something we're watching really closely. We would love to be involved. You know, we manufacture in Colorado. We mm-hmm. have an emerging medicine business attorney that we work with who helps keep us up to date on everything. Um, but I think it is going to take some time. Do you think that the mushroom space is looking to the weed space for any guidance on rolling out legalization and the way that they sell and all of that? Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, it took cannabis decades. Mm -hmm. I think cannabis paved the way in a lot of ways for even us having this conversation, um, particularly as it relates to something that is very bipartisan, which is veteran support. Um, Mm -hmm. Cannabis was really critical in helping a lot of veterans manage their PTSD and their stress and their anxiety. Um, And psilocybin has the same potential, I think, even on a grander scale. Um, so there's a lot of learnings, not only from demonstrating therapeutic value, but also in the actual logistical rollout. I think it will condense the psilocybin timeline, you know, probably half of what cannabis is, but that still is looking like, you know, 10 years probably. Right. I know. I was just thinking of like where we were 10 years ago and now we can walk into a basically candy store full of weed oh, and yeah. get, you know, and just like, I used to just be like, this is, this is never going to happen. And whenever we talk about these things, I'm always just like, isn't it crazy how there's so much paranoia and misconception with, you know, these natural things that come from the earth that can be so mm-hmm. beneficial to mental health. And then alcohol is like the most, you know, truly, and oh, I yeah. like to drink, but like alcohol is the most dangerous, right. one of the most dangerous drugs. And there's, you know, you can, 
drink your your night away. Right. It's so normal. And there's no regulations. And it's just I look forward to that judgment, you know, decreasing with time. Even cigarettes, right? Yeah. Even caffeine. Right. You know, there's – we yeah. have so many legal drugs. And like <laughs> it's it's interesting the arbitrary line that we draw in the sand. And when you were mentioning, you know, if like kids can take Alice, I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of parents put their kids on Adderall and like this could be such an amazing other natural supplement, you know, if you're looking for that focus or you know, not to diagnose yeah. people's m- mental health, but like there just are so many things before like you said putting that band-aid just over mm-hmm. it and just being like totally. deal with it, let's not get to the root, right. let's not heal. I mean, I have, I get emails, I mean, multiple times a week from parents that are like, hey, my doctor just wanted to put my kid who's 12 years old on a bunch of Adderall. Like, could I try this first? I don't really want to give my kid Adderall. And again, my first answer is always like, ask your doctor. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to say yes or no to you. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like these kids are getting put on really strong prescription drugs and to try something at least first that isn't so strong, I think is a really, you know, smart decision. Like I, Adderall, Ritalin, Vyvanse, they're really serious drugs and they're, they can be incredible for the people who need them and they've helped so many people, but it's also not something that you want to just take lightly. Right. Exactly. There are options. Did you grow up like in the homeopathic space or no, not at all. <laughs> okay. I, I always wonder, cause I did, my mom was very like, I don't even want you taking an Advil if you don't have to. And so I always think it's, it's interesting to talk to people that have dedicated their life to it now. Cause yeah. you know, it's just, it's really commendable. Yeah, no, I, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. My, my uh, like, you know, I was, um, not in that like wellness space that okay. I'm in now, I think. Um, it's, it's something that really came to me as I became an adult, I think. And yeah. it's just like looking for ways to feel good and just uncovering so many things that helped that right. I hadn't had access to before. And yeah. there's just more access to information now. And, you, you know, you talked about with the veterans helping with PTSD with um, these, you know, natural remedies. And I know that Alice donates a portion of profits to the Hope Project and you're a founding member of the microdosing collective that you were talking about. Do you mind explaining more about what those are and what exactly your role is in this space? Yeah. So I I know I already touched on the microdosing collective, but really that's the first uh, nonprofit in the U.S. that's dedicated to advancing research and legislation around microdose amounts of psilocybin. Um, So really what we do there is there's a lot of incredible, brilliant people that are other founding members are on on the board that are leading clinical trials and also doing a lot of advocacy as it relates to different politicians and published papers and media. So it's, it's a really cool community to be a part of. And then, you know, that's kind of, we look at our, you know, we look at our formulations as a now and later approach. And we also look at our give back as a now and later approach, right? With the microdosing collective being our later Mm -hmm. (laughs) approach, because that's a really long game that we're playing there in terms of this is going to take a really long time. Um, What we're doing now, because we, we know the way that psychedelics can help people who need help right now um, is working with the hope project. So the hope project is this incredible, nonprofit organization founded by this woman named Allison Wilson, whose husband was a four-time Navy SEAL. Oh my God. And he came home and, you know, had a lot of PTSD and was really struggling and found so much help 
with psychedelic assisted therapy. Um, but what Allison realized is that she also was traumatized and there aren't resources for women, mm -hmm. um, wives of veterans, and then also women in the military. And again, as we were talking about a little bit earlier is like the psychedelic space is really masculine and women need a very different space than men, particularly, I think women who've struggled with sexual abuse or been in the military, they're so there needs to be a safe female space. Um, so what Allison did is she started the Hope Project and it's, they help provide integration and psychedelic assisted therapy specifically to women who have been affected by deployment and military, whether that be a wife or a woman who has served. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I know that's such a forgotten space. Yes. I don't even know if forgotten would be the word because it just would be something that I wouldn't even think to focus on yeah. as well. Yeah. We'll definitely put that in the show notes as well to anyone that wants to get involved or go check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, we were looking for so long about what, what group that we wanted to support. And the second we met her, it was like, I almost started crying within 10 minutes of hearing her speak because oh. it's just, they're, there isn't a lot of recognition for women in this mm -hmm. space right now or a lot of resources directed towards women in this space. And so her story really moved us and we're so honored that we get to support the work they do. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, there's still just such a lack of, you know, research with women's mental health, women's bodies, yeah. like, you know, just I think as you grow up, you're like, oh, yeah, there's textbooks filled with everything that could ever happen to a man, you know, mm -hmm. physically, yeah. mentally, but yeah. just a couple pages on maybe what we <laughs> might go through. So yeah. we always love bringing attention to that on this show. And we talk, we talk a lot about that on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, we do have a question for you as we wrap up okay. the interview mm -hmm. that we ask all of our guests. Yes. <laughs> Claire, you want to take it away? If you could, we, we ask this to all of our guests, but we're going to kind of customize it for you. We usually ask if you could smoke a joint, but we'll add in or take mushrooms, psychedelic for this for uh -huh. this case, with uh, someone dead or alive in history, who would it be and why? Ooh. History, pop God, culture, yes. all the things. I mean... This is the first one that pops to mind right now because I'm in a huge talking heads kick, but mm. David Byrne, oh, I think okay. it would be so fun <laughs> to take mushrooms with David Byrne and like dance. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I love to. Yeah. What else would you do? Exactly. What would you do? Like I want to wear the big stop making sense suit. Right. Yes. And like take dance lessons with him. So good. That sounds gorgeous. And just have a wild right? ride. Yes. That sounds right. beautiful. That's a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. We love putting people on the spot for that. Yeah, just, we do. It's always like the first instinct is the best, you know. I agree. Yeah. Best answer. That's a great one. Did you guys see, I don't know um, if you saw this, but a, a couple of weeks ago at the New York dog Halloween costume parade. Oh, yes, yes, of course. That little dog that was David Byrne. It was, I mean, all of the costumes, I was like, I will fly to New York just to go to this dog parade. I know. Oh, yeah. This is when I'm like, why don't we live in New York? Yeah, truly, truly. <laughs> well, Charlotte, yeah, this has been. i that dog. Uh, yeah, obsessed. Yes. Um, this has been so insightful and interesting, and we cannot thank you enough for taking the time for Right Answers Mostly. I know that our female listeners will really enjoy this. Absolutely. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find Alice? Yeah. So you can buy our products at www.alicemushrooms.com. Um, we're also on Instagram and TikTok at alice.mushrooms. And then we're in a lot of stores. So odds are that one of your favorite local shops carries us. We're also in Air One all over LA. 
Um, we're on Amazon. Uh, oh, really? We're pretty oh. easy to find these days. Good yeah. for y'all. I know. We, we love it. We do love it. Yeah, we're super inspired by you know your story and being a female founder and just also all the work that you're doing to help other people and women. And Mm -hmm. we're just really honored we got to have this chat today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, of course. And everyone, um, all this information will be in the show notes as well. So, okay. Thank you, Charlotte. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you. 